Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome. Bad people, welcome. Anyone who want to learn more about SEO, especially today, we are going to cover the topic about core updates. Welcome. If you want to improve your ranking positions, you need to listen until the end. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Taylor Kurtz. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Want to learn more about SEO? I found that every day can bring something new, especially today when we have AI. You wrote a great article for my course. I love reading your articles on search engine land, so you can share other valuable insights on social media. Taylor, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, my name is Taylor Kurtz. I, I own a company called Crush the Rankings, and we basically only do search engine optimization. And uh, I've been doing SEO about 10 years now, and we've been operating as Crush the Rankings for about five years. Yeah, we've put a big emphasis on transparency and communication and just doing things the right way. And if you want to learn more about me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Taylor Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. And I'm also on Twitter at Real Taylor Kurtz. Uh, someone had taken at Taylor Kurtz and never posted back in like 2008. So I had to go for at Real Taylor Kurtz. But Feel free to reach out. Happy to connect. Okay, nice, nice. Guys, you can find links in the description to this podcast. And I want to ask you how your company and you crush rankings, you know, uh, compared to many other companies, agencies, freelancers. I don't know, a million probably <laughs> companies that sure. can help with that. So can you tell how you can crush rankings better than anyone else sure well for us a lot of it is just the fit of who we're working with like we try to be somewhat selective from the standpoint of we like to work with people who understand the value of seo and what we're trying to do because it doesn't necessarily happen overnight so we need a little bit of a you know a landing way to get to get off the ground but i would say what what we do is we really just try to a always have an eye on your foundation frequently checking for broken links is your speed exceeding the known benchmarks like Essentially, Google will hint about a lot of things, but they don't necessarily give you direct instructions as to what they're looking for. But for a few things they do, like speed, think core vitals, things of that nature. So I try to always make sure if Google said it, we remain in compliance. And then in order to grow, we put a huge emphasis on the EEAT, uh, conveying our, our clients' experience, expertise, authority, and trust to kind of try and make them the foremost voice on whatever they're topic is uh and just having value on the website what will help the user what's a good experience and so beyond just making sure the foundation is stable and everything we put a huge emphasis on that which is just building the trust and authority of the website often through just high quality content mm, you touched about eeat that's something that i ignored for many years but google changed this approach i remember i cooperated with the client in weight loss niche so yeah, that was hard uh, because uh, in the top 10 billion dollar companies, big companies, uh, yeah, it's hot topic, uh, hard to get results, but we did it. We increased uh, traffic from uh, 100,000 to 7,000 uh, traffic per month uh, because we uh, used different approach. We didn't try to cover high volume keywords, but we found that competitors ignored. So we pay attention to that. And uh, I remember, you know, when I started to cooperate with this client, that was interesting because he asked me to provide results for a month. I told him it's impossible. It's SEO takes time. You know, it's not sprint marathon, right. but uh, that was interesting. This website had ranking positions. Uh, uh, this website had like uh, hundred thousand traffic. Yeah, a lot of traffic. But what we found that all titles and descriptions were written for the sake of having them. Generic titles, nothing special. We just rewrote these uh, titles, and uh, re uh, results increased two times. Uh, for some pages, three times, and yeah, for a month. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, even my company were surprised, <laughs> was surprised about this result. And yeah, we cooperated for a long time, but Google changed approach in 2019. Uh, and yeah, 
this medical update hit this website. And uh, yeah, I think today it's very important to learn about EEAT. And uh, today I cooperate with many clients in investing, trading. Yeah, we pay so much attention to that. Lily Ray wrote checklist for our SEO course. Uh, 50 points, what you need to do to increase this result. Can you tell what you usually do? Because you mentioned about EEAT, it's indirect factor, but I don't care. Direct, indirect, really. What kind yeah. of difference? Direct, indirect. Because, for example, if you want to lose weight or build muscles, you need to train. It's direct factor, but uh, indirect, like eating healthy food, drink water. So it's the same, you know, you need to consider both. So any tips about EEAT, how to score and how to in, uh, improve it? Yeah, of course. So a big thing for me, and I touched on earlier, is just the content. You want to convey yourself as the foremost voice or authority on that topic. So I always tell clients, like when it comes to content, it's quality over quantity. Like you could produce 100 pages that don't perform. Now you can say you have 100 pages, but they don't perform. And if anything, you risk with last year's helpful content update, you risk diluting the overall value of the website just writing to write. So for me, it's always identifying a topic that you believe you can rank for or that is a primary goal of yours. And I say, I'd rather have one page, as good as you can make it, leaving no stone unturned, covering every topic question, with the goal being, if it's weight loss, someone that lands on this page, whatever topic it's about, has no reason to go elsewhere. You are the authority and there's no information out there that's not covered on this page. So I'm always of the mindset like it's much more worthwhile. So for instance, let's just say, sake of discussion, you're a dentist and you want to specialize in root canals. I would definitely spend time making one page about root canals that basically covers everything, what to expect, what's our process like, the recovery, uh, include testimonials from other people to show off your experience in that area. But quality over quantity, like like have, having a... When it comes to the authority, the experience, having a clear goal, this is what we want to focus on. Instead of just kind of like you said, here's a bunch of keywords our competitors might not do well for and writing an article for everyone. It's kind of, you can certainly use these pages to target those lower hanging fruits, those longer tail phrases, but you can also use those pages to really try and compete for the broad terms if you're able to provide the most value. Uh, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean neglect user experience and speed and all that. But when it comes to search, above making money, Google's biggest goal is to give provide the best answer to whatever the query or question was. And so if you're able to do that, you'll get ranked high. But the other big benefit of it is it's all kind of organic to where if other people are now searching weight loss or root canal, they find your article. They link back to you in their own article. So by having that, being that source of information, not only does it help improve your rankings, authority, trust, all that, but it gives you a very high visibility and the opportunity to obtain those natural backlinks, which further signals to Google, like, this is a trusted website and we are an authority on this topic. So that's really my top thing is when it comes to that is focus on what like a criminal defense lawyer defends all type of different cases, but what kind do you want the most or what couple kinds and just focus on being the master of that. And uh, that's always been my my course of action, I would say. Mm -hmm. Valuable. Love it. Love it. OK, I'll also say sorry. But yeah. beyond that, it once you create that really thorough page, we'll take root canals again, for instance. There's plenty of questions out there. FAQ, if you will. So once I have that strong page, I'll often take those questions that maybe we touched on on the main page or didn't answer, and then I will create blogs about them. And same thing, answer this as thoroughly as possible. And while doing so, I'm linking back where it mentions root canal to that root canal page. So I'm kind of using that as a snowball effect to further build our authority on that topic. Nice, nice, awesome, awesome. Okay, I wanna ask about uh, something uh, that it's hard to ignore, uh, impossible tomorrow about AI, especially if we touch the topic about EEAT, because uh, most content creators use AI to create content, generate content, and I cooperate with great offers who can write for Forbes, Investopedia, many big prominent websites, and all of them, without any exception, use ChatGPT, all of them. Yeah, we 
we can't deny this tool exists but the main problem with ai that i can see that uh, you can use this tool in the smart way i mean like if you overuse just generate a lot of content uh, it's not value because other websites have the same content how we can compete with them so it's better to use smart if we are talking about eeat it doesn't help uh by using chat gpt but if you use it smart i mean like to have this human touch experience uh, uh editors uh who know the topic yeah you can uh highlight about offer can you tell about using chat gpt or any other ai tool that will help to increase EEAT. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely definitely used it as I'm sure we all have. Like a great example is we'll take the root canal example again just to stay on that. I may be writing this page and as mentioned like I want to be as thorough as possible. So I'll definitely go to ChatGPT and just ask like what are some concerns someone getting a root canal may have and are there any there that I haven't addressed. So it's very much a good source of information and I think you know Google kind of came out and said during their helpful content update last September, like, we want you writing content to help the user not rank. So that's why I always say, like, leave no stone unturned. We want it to rank, but we want, we want it to do so by being the most helpful. And I think that it's certainly possible when writing content to utilize ChatGPT as well. Like, for instance, uh, if I'm talking about the root canal, I can certainly, you know, ask it what is a root canal and get a good description there instead of me searching WebMD or Mayo Clinic and piecing all this together. But then at the same time, be aware it's not going to have your experience in factored into that. So a lot of times what I'll do is make sure we put quotes from previous clients in there. Quote from, you know, in this case, the dentist talking about what to expect, maybe a video. So you can still kind of use for the more broad less specific writing. I've definitely seen ChatGPT do some good work. But then when it comes to, you know, if we're a lawyer and we want to ask it a question, all right, the answer may be correct, but I'm going to go back in now and find a case that I can cite as an example or something like that. So I always want to make sure when I review it that I go in and add more kind of. Like ChatGPT is going to be very broad. So me as the expert, this is ChatGPT is kind of a macro level view of things. I'm the expert. I need to go to a micro level. And so I'll see, you know, it may mention this, but I could certainly cite out to a study that supports it. Or like I said, add a video of my client discussing that specific topic. Uh, so I think ChatGPT is interesting. All AI is very interesting to me um, from the standpoint of I am very skeptical about how much it will really change search. Like, uh, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with, there's an expert in our field named Glenn Gabe. And he just so happened to be, he lives in New York and he was with his daughters, who I don't know their age, but younger people, obviously. And he was talking to them. They didn't even know Pat, uh, Bing Chat existed. When he showed them the Google uh, generative experience, they thought it was stupid. And it's kind of like they just wanted to use normal Google. And I think a lot of the fear is the assumption that users' behavior will change. And in some cases it will, but in a lot of cases it won't. And I think you get to a point where, you know, as I mentioned, I want to con con we, are, we and our clients want to convey ourselves as the experts. So a lot of the content we produce may be for those that are researching a topic. They have that kind of no intent. They're not necessarily in the buy intent, but we're still trying to build our expertise. So if you were to search something, in this case, again, about a root canal, your article, which was previously first, may be buried down now with an AI answer that ideally will pull information from your article and link to as well. So that's another opportunity. But a lot of the traffic that I think could be lost will be that research traffic. But that being said, if someone were to search root canal dentist near me, what is the AI going to tell you? Like, that maps or common, you know what I'm saying? Like, so when you're selling a service and people are in that buy phase, I think it'll be very unimpactful. And even to be impactful on that research phase, you're assuming that user behavior will change, they'll trust the answer, things of that nature. Uh, so it will certainly be interesting, but I do think, I don't think the impact of AI is overblown, but I think the dramatic hype of how it will change search is a bit overblown.
Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. You know, I tried to use my crystal ball when I bought crypto and I got it. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Instead of older people, they're used to Googling. Like it's a verb. We Google this. Yeah. They're not. That's what they're going to want to do. Now, if they ask a question like, uh, you know, treatment for back pain and it gives some ideas, that may be all they need to know. But at the same time, they weren't even necessarily looking for a doctor or a provider. So you didn't lose out on that. But then you have the younger crowd saying it's stupid or they don't even know it exists. So we're kind of in the middle, I guess, between the youngins and the old folks. And we're also very aware of it. So we're tending to use it more because we are aware of it. So I just it would be interesting because the whole basis is that user behavior will change. And there's not really been too much indication of that, even although it is so, so such an infancy. So time will tell. Yeah, yeah. By the way, um, I asked on ChatGPT uh, because uh, today you can use some plugins, and uh, I added plugins Kayak and Expedia. And I asked ChatGPT, please help me to choose the best hotel uh, in Dominican Republic in July. And I got answers, but I'm not sure that it's the best hotel. I don't know how ChatGPT can choose. Of course, I ask. I need good reviews. Uh, my price like this, yeah. But uh, after that, I, I decided to open Kayak and <laughs> check one more time because, yeah, how yeah. I can relate to this tool. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like if, yeah, exactly. If you're looking for a hotel, it's nice that you're telling me these, which I've most likely, if, I've, if I'm traveling, never heard of. But I mm -hmm. want to see the reviews and people's experiences. So I'm likely to go down yeah. to the maps anyway and then go to their websites. What amenities do they have? So, yeah, it's interesting. And, like, I don't, it is interesting. It'll be it'll be an interesting to watch. Yeah, it's the beginning. It's the beginning. We don't know uh, what kind of development, improvement will be. Because, uh, for example, GPT-4 is much better than gpt Three and 3.5 so yeah um, I usually use GPT-4 and uh, you know I usually uh, don't generate any content on ChatGPT but I edit content I can write a bad copy with uh, the right insights because most con uh, content creators complain that uh, this tool uh, is not creative you know and can mislead oh, yeah. But if you fit with the right data, if you add this data, I mean, like, uh, you don't need to be a great writer, but you can write bad copy with uh, valuable insights uh, to explain about your target audience. And uh, after that, you can get much better copy. And, uh, for example, I use for press releases. We got mentioned on CNN, you know, yeah, that, that was hard. And my PR manager replied to me, it's the first time for 16 years CNN replied to press release and even more we got this mention uh, and uh, we wrote press release but we edited on chat gpt so yeah i ask okay please edit for prominent publications like forbes uh, bloomberg uh, others uh, use their format and cnn <laughs> edit this uh, it's not link but mention you know from cnn costs a lot you know that's a big yeah. deal it's a big deal. Yeah, Congratulations. Big deal. I also think yeah. it's important to note that with, uh, oh, I completely lost my, oh, so for instance, um, let's say that you have a client that's a therapist and they treat depression. You may mm -hmm. ask chat GPT, how does this type of therapy help patients suffering from depression? And it may give you, it's going to be kind of broad, but really like this is probably something I would write for my intro or whatever. But then I'll take that and I'll tweak it to like my voice, but I'll also then be like, okay, it's telling me the, this type of therapy helped has been shown to help. Well, then I'm going to see how has it been shown and I'll start including studies and links to things like that to kind of give it that authority. We can say it's been shown, but we want to like how. So if people want to see more here, so I think that, yeah, like if you just kind of want to use it as an outline or a structure, it's, it can save you a ton of time. Cause I mean, a lot of times we've, we end up writing paragraphs that are bridges or gaps to other things when it's like, well, I just want to get to the meat of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Taylor, I want to ask you about this core update because Google updates uh, search engines uh, a lot. Um, I remember the first time I got the number like 500, 600 times a year from Moz. Then uh, Google clarified even more. 
the the last the, uh, yeah i think the number was uh, seven thousand times a year most of them are slight updates we can feel them we can see it but uh, yeah we have this core updates and can you tell what kind of core updates we have today and uh, where webmasters need to pay more attention to rank high absolutely so yeah, core rate, core updates. I know we had one at the end of March, March 25th, I believe. And there's been a lot of volatility lately, especially during Father's Day weekend. But I think uh, as far as, so again, I kind of spoke on earlier that like I very much put an emphasis with my clients, which we, we test every one of their websites weekly for a number of things, health audits, uh, speed tests, core web vitals, all this stuff to where I think you can breathe a lot easier during if you're not using black hat tactics or something like that. If you're genuinely doing things the right way and you're ensuring like, you know, my, my user experience is good. My core vitals are in line. My speed is good. Like these are all things that you don't have to worry about where a lot of times when these core updates come out, it will pick and it's never clarifies like a core update's not going to say this is a core update about mobile speed. Uh, but in general, keeping those things in line will prevent any kind of fluctuation relating to that. And so I think that as far as a webmaster, just maintaining the health of the website and keeping everything in the green means that if something does happen with your website, we don't have to even look at that. We know we're good to go there. So uh -huh. where else have we seen things slip? And it doesn't take a lot of time. Like if you're on top of it, it should be good all the time. And if something changes, it takes, it's a lot quicker than, you know, letting it go for months and months and a lot of things pop up. But from my experience, just following those best practices, like we want the core vitals good. The mobile site should load in under two seconds. Uh, you know, we want to make sure there's no 404s and it's mo obviously mobile friendly and a good experience. But covering those bases tend to leave you in pretty good shape. And then often I'll go look at content. You know, what I'll often do is go into the search console and take a client's data over the last 12 months, let's say, and look at pages that are receiving zero clicks a month, one click a month, something like that. And like, clearly this is not something that's proven to be valuable. And so I'll look at it and say, you know, if it's not providing value and nobody's clicking on it, do we want to keep the page and improve it? Or do we want to kill the page and get rid of it? And my thought is, and it, I just had a client where we removed close to 500 pages off their site that we're not getting any traffic. And some of them were from like 2012 to 2017. But the point is when Google released their helpful content update, they stressed that it was a site-wide update, which meant if they deemed you had a lot of unhelpful or thin, weak, whatever content, it, it wasn't just that page that would not rank. It would signal that overall your value wasn't that high and it would impact the ranking of your whole site. So I think just constantly keeping an eye on performance like i said are there pages that are just not doing anything for us should they be like is this a valuable topic that maybe we should just explore deeper uh and try and become that expert of like i said or is it something you know like in the case of this client they had an article about you know uh facebook's incredible or, or yeah it was nike's incredible facebook campaign in 2011 and it's like i don't know if people are really getting too much out of that anymore maybe we should or maybe it was talking about like the most important social media tactics of 2014. It's like, well, in that case, maybe we should update it for 2023 and put it out there. So for me, there's always ways to improve. But if I know there's certain benchmarks and we're meeting and exceeding those, that allows me to look elsewhere for areas to improve. Often having to do with where can we improve in content, what pages are performing as well. But those are the main things I keep my eye on to try and breathe easy during the updates. Nice, nice. Uh, you know, you mentioned about removing pages. I remember when I spoke with one client and he asked me what will be my first step. And I replied, I'm going to remove like 200 pages. <laughs> <laughs> he was surprised. What? I, I spent yeah, a lot of resources to yeah, to, to write these pages. Okay, you did it. But uh, the last time you updated these pages five years ago, and uh, according to your resources, you have no money and the resources to update all these pages. So, uh, yeah, that's why I think it's it's a good idea, you know, to remove even if you spend resources. Uh, can you tell how to find these pages uh, from your experience? For example, you have a new website. You need to improve 
uh, user experience, you need to convince Google that other pages are valuable. So any tips about finding pages? Uh, for example, let me explain how we usually do it in my company. For example, I see resources. Okay, if I have uh, one copywriter, two copywriters, it doesn't matter. So I can analyze how many pages they can write. Uh, write. If they can write like, uh, let's imagine, 10 pages a month, then uh, we see, okay, I need to update 300 pages. But I don't know how long does it take you know, to update all these pages. That's why uh, we decide, okay, we can remove these pages, we can update these pages, and we it's better to spend some uh, budget for new pages because we see opportunities better than old content. So any tips how you choose pages that you need to remove to update and create new? Yeah, that's always a fun conversation with the client. Uh... A lot of times, so I mentioned, what I'll do is I'll go to the search console, and when I look at the uh, traffic report, I'll just set a time period of you know 12 months, maybe 16 months, but typically 12 is pretty telling. And then you just click the page underneath the graph, you'll click the pages tab, and you filter by clicks and just look at the ones that have gotten none. So then what I'll do is I'll decide, like, let's say if it hasn't gotten... 30 clicks this year, like almost three clicks a month, then I like, what is it doing? And also, I'll also look very much at the click-through rate. So if we have a page that ranks 78th, has a click-through rate of like 0.02, and has had four clicks in the last year, nothing about this page is working or providing anyone any value. So the click-through rate and the number of clicks are very telling. A lot of times, the click-through rate does not necessarily mean delete. It may mean like this is one that needs to be improved or something like that. But to answer your question, so let's, I'll, in this case, I'll find all the pages that have not had 30 clicks in the last 12 months, and I'll export them all to a spreadsheet. And next to each one, we'll have keep or kill, and that's what we pick. And so I'll go through and give my suggestions. Usually there's a lot of killing of the pages in my suggestions. So then the I'll send this to the client, and this is where it can get real tricky. And you're like, look, here are the pages I suggest we remove. Ideally, you don't have 500 like one of my previous clients because that's a huge project just to review them. Um, and so you do this, and then once you can get on the same page with the client, that's essentially where you start removing them. And obviously, if you remove them, you want to very much make sure to add a redirect, or then you're creating a whole new slew of issues with these broken links on your page. But Search Console is extremely helpful. Another one is if you use SEMrush, you can just put your website into the top search bar and go to the organic research tab on the left and then click pages. And it'll essentially, and it's not an exact science or number, but based on, in this case, in all the websites, you know, SpyFu, Ahrefs, they all do this. But in this case, SEMrush, it will show you the pages on your website that appear in the search results. And for instance, how many keywords are next to them or they rank for. So if you start getting down to where there's all these pages that rank for one term and they rank, you know, 98th for it or something like that, that's another good indicator that maybe this page is not doing what we need it to do and should be looked at. Um, but it always is a challenge convincing clients, especially in mass, to kill pages because, uh, like you said, they've often spent time on them. Or even worse, maybe the person who wrote them is also on the call and they just think it's still a really good article. But at the same time, who cares about what social media tactics people were doing in 2013? Like, yeah. and so it's kind of like that fine line. Uh, that's where it's a challenge. But then obviously watch everything closely. Like I have not had it happen, knock on wood, but it is very feasible to con or con conceivable that you could delete a bunch of pages and that would have an impact on traffic. Now, obviously we're removing them because we don't think it would and we think it will have a positive impact. But it's certainly something you know to keep an eye on. But hopefully that answers your question. Search console is what, what, what helps me narrow it down the most, though. Yeah. By the way, if you can't or don't want, it doesn't matter, uh, to kill some pages, then uh, use no follow. You know. Yeah. You can also <laughs> uh, yeah. no index them exactly. If you feel that you need to save them, I don't know, for the future update or. Probably if you feel that value is there, but uh, it can help users on your website. Yeah, just save them, but uh, uh, don't show to Google. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, it's uh, another can... good one.
It's another yeah. good one. Okay, Taylor, I want to ask about uh, writing this content. You mentioned a lot that we need to update content, we need to choose uh, right pages. Uh, but the biggest struggle today is to create high-quality content, you know, because um, uh, when I write a new article, I can feel that it's the best article ever. It's my internal feeling, but right. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm biased, you know, on that. Uh, of course, Google can choose which pages to rank, uh, and we need to rely on that. And I see uh, uh, it's a big struggle for many companies to create high-quality content. Uh, for example, uh, 10 years ago, I had a team of copywriters who wrote about anything. I gave them topics, weight loss, finance, anything. They wrote, Google ranked. Of course, things change many times. Today, uh, you need to have experience. You need to write uh, valuable information, something new. And uh, what I usually see when people confuse about two points, the first user intent, the second to stand out from the rest. I mean, like we need to consider user intent, but we can't rewrite content in the top 10 results uh, because uh, who cares about this content? AI can do it, you know, just ask AI. <laughs> yeah, you, you can yeah. get uh, for a few seconds this content. Can you tell how to unite? I mean, like user intent to consider user intent, but create something new that Google will understand that it's better than existing content and user will love it. Yeah, I very much try to. How would I answer this? So I very much try to find low hanging fruit, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. like. I very much target featured snippets and things like that. So if we have, excuse me, there's a bug. So if we have a client and I'm trying to explain how, 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 how best to word this. Can you ask the question one more time? I'm sorry. I mean, like uh, we have user intent and uh, in marketing, it's important to stand out from the rest. Uh, Seth Godin wrote a book, Purple Cow. Yeah. <laughs> if you uh, just recreate, the same content uh, yeah i'm not sure it's a good idea so yeah i mean like how to uh stay with user intent but provide something new <laughs> right so a lot of the time as mentioned like our goal when it comes to content is quality over quantity and i want to be perceived as the expert on this topic so one thing i do constantly is competitor research because for instance you could rank one or two today but a new competitor could arise. One of your existing competitors could have really put effort in on something and, they, and what they're doing has changed. So I'll very often run competitor analysis just to see who in my market is getting traffic and like what pages are getting their traffic. So for instance, if I see a person is getting 40% of their traffic to a topic, I'm probably gonna take that topic and write about it. But when it comes to how do I stand out and be unique, what I like to do is, as I mentioned, focus on those low-hanging fruit. Like, people are going to talk when it comes to weight loss, like quickest way to lose weight, like weight loss tips for the summer. Very generic things that everybody is writing. So what I like to do is there's plenty of tools out there. Uh, I'll refer back to SEMrush. They have their topic research tool and their keyword research tool. So I'll type that in. I really like the topic research tool. I'll type in whatever my topic is, and I start looking for questions that my competitors are not answering. And I'm still gonna, and oftentimes what I'll do is we'll take the root canal example again. I got, I will go ahead and create a root canal like FAQ page for instance. And I will take all these questions, whether my competitor addressed them or not, and I'll answer them to the best of my ability, add this FAQ schema markup, with the goal being is like, I'm on the same topic. But I'm trying to do now is find questions or information I can provide my competitors if not. And by doing it in the format of an FAQ, that's and using that schema markup, that's the way I've had a lot of success in targeting those featured snippets. So I could have it where, for instance, you rank number two, someone ranks number one, you put a lot of time into this FAQ page, you add internal links so it's easy to navigate and access, and all of a sudden, that search where you were number two, you now have a featured snippet up there or something like that. So when it comes to how to write content without being redundant, a big part of it is I have this motto, just leave no stone unturned. Like I'd much rather have too much information than not enough. 
I would ideally like whoever's reading this to not leave the page and look for any more information. It's all right here. So by using those topic research, keyword research tools, it really helps you find kind of those longer tail, lower hanging fruit that, and I'm speaking a lot from a local business perspective, but that your, your competitors may or may not have addressed and you can add additional value that surpasses what they have to offer. Is that helpful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 I think so. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's hard to reply to this question because it's broad question. You know, each case is different, but yeah, I, I, I got the point. And uh, I want to ask you about mistakes. You know, I found two types of mistakes. The first type you can avoid by learning. And the second, you need to learn from this mistake because I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them, you know, uh, all the time. Because, for example, when I started PR, what uh, I did, I learned from best practices, how we can write press releases, how we can pitch them. And I failed. I uh, wrote a bunch of press releases, pitched them, but all the time I failed. Then I learned the process, how it works. Uh, today, I cooperate with experts who can write great, great press release. I can cooperate with people who can distribute to find the right journalist. Uh, and I know tools, I know how it works, but uh, it's better to uh, cooperate, outsource people who do it every single day when uh, you know they pay attention to only one specific direction. You know, I feel I can feel that I'm jack of all trades, you know, on that point. Uh, but uh, I mean, like my main uh, strong side, probably management, you know, to find these people, to manage them. And it's important to understand. So can you list mistakes that webmasters can avoid today from your experience, but they still do them. And uh, yeah, your tips how to find another way. <laughs> the biggest mistake as far as a web master is just not keeping up. Like, and this is very much for the internet. I mean, the internet changes every day. I mean, you think about what the internet experience was like 10 years ago, and it's dramatically different from now or 20 years ago. And that is kind of on steroids when it comes to SEO and search. Um, you know, nowadays they have a mobile first index. It needs to load in two seconds or less and all these core vitals. And 20 years ago, we didn't have cell phones or with internet. So it's very much changed quite a bit. And on a micro level, obviously things will change with technology over 20 years, but things change all the time, especially now with Google unrolling BARD and their generative search experience. So to me, when I was learning, and kind of what you talked about, I just knew I'm right here at the bottom, and I want to get to the top when it comes to knowledge. So I found industry experts, typically on Twitter, and just read everything they'd write. I'd keep up with their tweets every day. I still check them every day. And it's one of those things that if you find out, you know, Google introduced Core Vitals, and we have the user experience update coming up, which was a huge update back in, I think, 2021. It's like oh, the page experience update, it was called. If you don't know that and you don't even know core vitals exist, how are you going to be in compliance? You're going to be scrambling to keep it up. And I think in our industry, the biggest way to avoid mistakes is just know what's expected and more importantly, know what's coming. If, if there's a lot of chatter and we kind of know the direction things are going in, we should tailor things towards that. So, for instance, uh, Google is on their mobile first only and mobile first index. They've said at some point they're going to go to mobile only index. So I'm going to constantly focus on my mobile usability because from the standpoint of Google may have said they want it to load in two seconds or less. And here are these core vitals. That's going to get lower every single day. We get more and more impatient. Patience is not growing around the world. I can tell you that we are getting more and more impatient. So in doing that, if I'm building a website, I'm, a webmaster, web developer working on a website. Not only do I want it to load in two seconds, our website needs to be flexible enough where I could trim that lower if I need to. Because event, like eventually it'll probably go down to one second that Google wants these things to load. So to me, I think in our industry, it really sets you apart if you're on top of what's changing. Because that allows you to not only be a step ahead of the curve, but then you're in a position where when others are catching up, you have the experience. You can provide that knowledge you've kind of maybe already some of them made some of the mistakes or bumped your head. But I would have had no success if I didn't keep up with some of the people I follow on Twitter, just 
reading these specific blogs every day and knowing, okay, this is important now. I'm going to factor this into essentially all the decisions about this website. So going back to core vitals, okay, we'll say going back to mobile speed or core vitals, you know, and we'll take the dentist example again. Yes, your desktop and your site looks beautiful. But, and, you, and I love this video you've got in the banner showcasing your office. But none of us are ever going to watch that video. And your website is taking seven seconds to load because of the file size of this video. So maybe we should just put a static banner image up there. Or when someone says, hey, I'd like to add a pop-up or this new tracking script. How can we do this most effectively because we do not want to go over two seconds or affect the core web vitals? So just keeping what's keeping on top of what's expected of you, factoring that in your decisions and staying on top of what's coming to me is the biggest way to avoid mistakes. Everyone will avoid mistakes. At the end of the day, we could have a lot of case studies and examples and proof of concept for what we should do, but the results are still left to a number of algorithms we have no control over and it's out of our hands. So by doing best practices and keeping up with what those are, that's huge, huge. Like there's a lot nice. of websites that you can tell just like it's loading in 20 seconds. This has never even been considered. And it's like, yeah. just, you know, it's a problem now. It's going to only become a bigger problem. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. For example, Amazon invests billion dollars to increase website speed. That's why when you open Amazon, you can get uh, for a moment everything. Uh, now, Amazon has long content on all pages pictures videos description it's a great uh, user experience yeah a lot of models uh, and yeah uh, and amazon knows why why to it's important to have website speed it's not only about google user experience it's about user experience like especially i mean especially in e-commerce because if a website is slow you might have that thought of like is this a safe website is my information secure? Something like yeah. that. Uh, and, and for instance, if you are, if the website is slow, the, the percentage of abandoned carts is astronomical compared to fast websites. Like people will leave their shopping experience if it's too slow. And so, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like even if you got it from an email or someone told you about the website, SEO aside, if it's a poor user experience, it's a poor user experience. Whether yeah. it's a search nice. user or someone else. Nice, nice. Taylor, I want to ask about your experience. You post content on search engine land. I love this resource. Uh, I, I love uh, learning breaking news. Uh, you learn from experts. But what I found that uh, my company gets high results with customers who understand SEO. So if they come to us and uh, and we can cooperate together like a cohesive team because we understand why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, why we need to pay attention more to traffic value than uh, high volume, uh, many things, uh, PR, uh, white hat link building. And, uh, but if they don't, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Taylor Kurtz, uh, Mike Phillips. Uh, Jeff Coyle, many other great experts. It costs like $20 on a damn. It's not my business model to earn money. But uh, oh, go to Google, YouTube, just learn. Get the basic, understand the basic. If I want to build muscles, I can find the best coach, the best trainer. But if I don't know why I need to eat healthy food, why I need to train hard instead of uh, parties, I, I, I can't achieve results. It's you don't the have the value. Basic. Yeah. So... Let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. It's your first day in SEO. What will you do today to learn the basic of SEO? The first, oh, that's a great question. So the first thing I would do is go to one of those websites you mentioned, your search engine land, search engine journal, something like that. And they typically have resources like guides or glossary. And the first thing I would do is just understand what these terms meant. What is click-through rate? Why is that important? What is the backlink? Why is that important? Because otherwise, you're going to start digging deeper and not necessarily understand the, what, what's being discussed. So just familiarize yourself with the basics. And then dig into more articles, kind of look like best practices, on-page checklists, what things like that, uh, research past algorithm updates. 
The hardest part, I would say, because there's so much out there, is just learning. I don't want to say the history, but like if you're just starting, you don't know what panda is. You don't know what penguin is. Like just learning these things. And I mean, each one could just have a blurb. This focused on spammy link tactics. This focused on you know what you uh, URL matching, whatever it may be. But just understanding. Okay, so this is what Google doesn't like. This is what Google does like from a broad sense. And then you can dig deeper. Okay, I learned Google wants a fast website. Now I'm reading about how fast that is and how to get your website there. Uh, to me, there's so much information out there to learn from. I recommend those, like my three best uh, recommendations that I still read every day. Number one is SE, like search engine, seroundtable.com run by Barry Schwartz. To me, he's like the foremost voice of S. No one's on top of it more than him. Uh, then I also go to search engine land and search engine journal. And that'll not only keep you up with what's going on now, you can look through the archives. They have plenty of articles out, you know, 22, 22 in search, a summary, things like that. So learning the basics. And once you've kind of feel comfortable, okay, I guess I know like, here's how you would do a header and here's a title tag and what medicine, once you kind of are, understand the, the basic elements of it, the best thing you could do, um, well, also then follow like certain individuals on Twitter, Barry Schwartz, Glenn Gabe, people of that nature who are just, they live and breathe it. So if something is, if Google's holding a conference, they're live tweeting it. Like they're immediate, like you're getting it, all this information of here's what's important. Uh, but the biggest piece of advice I could give for anyone learning SEO is make a guinea pig website. It doesn't matter if it's Wix, WordPress, I'd stay away from like HubSpot or maybe Squarespace. But I did the same thing. When I was first starting, I worked in a law office. And I, my first project was this, my boss's website. And he told me, you know, if you make a mistake, tell me. But just do what you got to do. And we had success with that. But it was a pre-built website. So I wasn't necessarily sure if the success was from the previous work done. So I kind of set in my mind that I'm going to create this guinea pig. And I built it on Wix. I later moved it over to WordPress. But I built it on Wix. With the I, and I just picked something. So my goal with this was at this point I was living in a college town, Florida State University. So if you search for anything, like let's take Florida State University Parents Weekend, the, the university website will come up first, you know, events going on, all that. And I decided I want to see if I can outrank this EDU for certain things. So I just created like a, a website where my goal was it's going to be a resource for students and parents by students and parents. And it had a calendar with all the events coming up. It had articles about the best Mother's Day things in town, the best drink specials every night. It, you know, it, reviews of the dorms. It had everything, so that I was able to start building authority. As like I knew about this town, what was going on in it, things like that. And I built a page just about Parents Weekend, and I used what I had been taught or been learning, you know, to kind of leave no stone unturned. Like, what are the dates and time of certain events? Is there? Do you have to pay to attend these things? Like where and where are things happening, et cetera, et cetera. So essentially, if you wanted information on this parents weekend, it got to the point where you could click on our website or you click on the school's website. And I would always make sure we had even more information. Like they may talk about on the school's website, you know, at this building at this time, we're having this event for parents. That's great. But they're not talking about what else is going on around town, not essentially associated with the university. So that's an opportunity for me to say, well, there's also, you know, this going on at the park on Saturday, all these other things for y'all to do. And then way quicker than I expected, I was able to get to the top for like most parent weekend terms above that, which is fine. And like it didn't, it was never intended to generate business or anything like that, but it was more to give me proof of concept that what I had been learning and putting into practice on these other, this other website could stand out on its own on a brand new website, uh, brand new. And so with that, like that is my biggest advice is pick a set of keywords. So in my parents, Florida State Parents Weekend, you know, things like that, that they are competitive. Like I'm going to be competing with a .edu. It's not like I'm the only one up there, but it's not like I'm trying to search for, you know, doctor in Boston or some really saturated thing like that. And so it's competitive, but not too competitive. And just work at it and see if what you've been learning works. And at that point, it's low cost. I mean, yes, you have to commit your time to it. But if it works, now you have proof of concept. You've done it on one or two projects. Your confidence is much better. And uh, 
that was like my biggest advice. Keep up with what's going on now. Uh, use, use the resources available, search engine land, search engine journal, and just become familiar with the essentials, the, the terminology, kind of what updates have happened, the frequency of those updates, things like that. And then beyond that, once you feel you have a solid foundation, take that to a guinea pig and put it to work. Uh, and I mean, like I chose a guinea pig that I had no intention of making money on. It was just I wanted to prove if this worked or not. But at the same time, if you've got a side gig or some, an idea where you could make money, say you do car detailing, then make the website about that. Like, you, it's, you know what I'm saying? And then trying to that. But just putting it into practice. It's the same thing. If I go to medical school, I can sit there and watch them perform a surgery 100 times. But I'm never going to know I can do it till I do it. And so that's kind of always been my thought process is I'm a hands-on learner and, and, and that's the best for me. Nice, nice. Yeah, never stop learning. I agree. Yeah, love it, love it. And Taylor, I have my final question. Um, I'm interested how Taylor Kurtz is going to crush rankings in the future because today we have AI, AI uh, changes environment we don't know what kind of uh, improvements will be uh, apple is going to launch this uh, headset you know yeah. I, yeah augmented reality you know i compared with what mark zuckerberg tried to uh, create a virtual in environment but it's quite different you know because i think it's the same you know when you have your iphone you know you can see on iphone or you have Uh, sunglasses <laughs> this headset that you can see the same screen because uh, i don't know how to go on the street with virtual reality but augmented reality yeah it works it's the same that we use iphone everywhere and uh, yeah many things can change uh, this environment uh, we still get the question is seo dead or not so take your crystal ball and let us know what kind of future will be in five ten years uh you can Uh, give the vision longer so and how we can adapt today to this possible future sure uh we spoke on it earlier where i don't think ai from like ai chatbots we'll say like bing's chat uh google bard search i don't think chat gbt i don't think those will replace search engines in any way uh Like I said, if you're doing research on a topic, you might get less clicks to your article. But if someone's looking for a product or service, I don't think it'll be too impactful. But that being said, that's like open source chat AI. That's one thing. I think artificial intelligence will dramatically change everything. Uh, and you spoke about the augmented reality. I thought Apple's product was awesome. Like just sitting there with like the biggest TV you could ever imagine. Who knows if it's comfortable and they're going to get dirty and stuff like that and the price tag. But it's kind of like the incorporation of augmented reality versus just being in the metaverse is way more impactful to me. And I think that I'm probably wrong. I think that Apple's headset will, I don't want to say it will flop, but it will not be. It's, it's, it's basically a first entrant. Like it, there's never really been anything quite like that. And I think it'll underperform due to cost and it's, Who wants to wear this? And I think we're going to end up transitioning to a point where it's more similar, like what Google tried to do with their Google glasses, where you can have, you know, they'll probably have like similar to now where you can go buy a Toyota and it's got Apple CarPlay in it. You'll be able to go buy a pair of Ray-Bans with that, with like the AI integrated into it, augmented reality. So I'm wearing like, so it's less disruptive from the standpoint of I'm wearing glasses I'd normally be wearing, but now I can kind of like analyze things like that. And I think that is where it'll go. And I, from the standpoint of, I wrote two or three articles about it for Search Engine Land that with my crystal ball, I kind of coined this term that search engine optimization will very much still exist, but I think we have to prepare for VEO, which is virtual environment optimization, which I just made that up, but I like it. Um, but the point is, so for instance, if you're able to do a shopping experience, uh, let's take like an Apple's, product announcement they had a woman who was in her living room and she was shopping for i believe couches and like seeing how they looked in the room which is awesome well, who what couches are you looking at like how eventually it's going to get to the point where we're yes we're optimizing for google and stuff but we're optimizing to be prominent in these environments 
So if I sell couches, how does, how does my couch appear as one of the ones she's testing out in her living room? Um, if I buy groceries on, if I sell pretzels, you know, there may be a point where you can essentially augment it or virtually be in a supermarket experience without leaving. And you just kind of like touch what you want. Maybe even you can look at it like a real product. But it's the same thing as in brick and mortar grocery stores now where there's competition for prominent shelf space. So it's kind of like as these environments become more involved with our lives, where you don't have to sit on a couch with some huge headset, I think once they become more naturally included in our lives, our attention is going to shift as marketers to how do we become prominent in these virtual environments. Um, you know, if I'm shopping for sunglasses, and I'm sure you have the option to like try them on and see how you look with them or even hold them. How do I make sure that mine are one of the most noticeable sunglasses on this rack and things like that? So you're very much going to go from I need to be the most visible in the search results, which you'll still need, to I need to be the most visible in these sort of virtual environments. And that's kind of what I predict. Like I very much think, and obviously that won't change too much when you're searching for a dentist or something like that. But when it comes to e-commerce specifically, like I think it'll change dramatically. Like I... I mean, you look now, it's nothing. I mean, in two seconds, I'm on the Amazon app. I've spent too much money and done checkout because it's so easy. Nothing is easier than looking and touching, you know, and not really, and especially if it's built into what you'd already be wearing, potentially, it doesn't change your behavior at all. You're not having to set time aside, get used to this new thing. How does it work? All of that. So I think that's a really intriguing to me, like, how do we make our products the most visible in these new environments? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like the product carousel on Google, but now it'll be right in front of you and you can test things in your room, things like that. So uh, I, that's, I think that's the direction things will go in. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, for example, I can't predict the future because, yeah, I tried to predict crypto. Uh, other assets <laughs> i got it <laughs> i'm not the best predictor <laughs> but i know that people or marketers who uh, created marketing campaigns on tv and radio they didn't lose jobs they adapted to digital so if you have experience in seo you can adapt to anything that uh new will come to our we adapt place because, every day as it is <laughs> yeah we, we adapted in seo and seo doesn't teach you how to rank on google SEO teaches how to create high quality content how to increase website speed how you provide this complex mechanism uh even uh link building today link building is more related to getting traffic and creating brand awareness you know uh, these links can help to rank high but if you create for the sake of Google, it doesn't work or slight effect. Uh, yeah, even more Google can punish, you know, for such links. Uh, that's why you need to understand if you uh, learn SEO, if you understand SEO, you can adapt to any other channel. And I see when people in SEO can get results on social media because they have experience in SEO. So you can, if you think about human being, you, you will be fine everywhere on at any environment glasses headset anything <laughs> taylor it's That's a big true. pleasure to get in my show to learn from you you're so kind to share this valuable insights i love your articles on search engine land i love your lesson on my course yeah it's a big pleasure to keep learning from you tell our audience the best way how to uh, follow you how to reach out to you how to keep learning for you <laughs> sure yeah definitely uh follow me on twitter at real taylor kurtz uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well and very active on there. If you ever have a question, like I'm big into helping people. I think that with our industry, uh, typically if someone is looking for your services, they probably got burned by their last provider. And so in our industry, there's a lot of just building confidence, building trust, showing we're not, you know, snake oil salesmen. So I'm always aiming to like improve the reputation of our industry and the work we put out there. And so if anyone ever has a question, like, I don't charge. You just have a question. Hey, so-and-so suggested this. Do you think that sounds right? Feel free to shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message on Twitter. You can get, email me at taylor at crusherankings.com. 
but I'm big. Like I'm happy to help. I that's, that's a big thing of mine. So uh, definitely mm-hmm. reach out. It's been such a genuine pleasure talking here. I love talking about what's to come and predicting. So that's all very fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. A big pleasure. Love all your valuable insights. Guys, you can find links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Welcome Thank back anytime you. to share more value. I love it. So valuable. Let's stay in touch. Probably we can create new content, you know. Uh, yeah. And uh, can share value more time. Okay, guys. Love you. Thank See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.